like, I, you know, my partner and husband wanted to do one more and I'm like, it's all on you. I can't do it again. But you, I can get on a mic with you and I'm happy to do that. Yeah. So uh, what does this assessment look like? Walk us through that. Reality is, is that we're recording this before it, but I have built a tool for this that's going to be coming out in, a, in about a month. And so it may be by the time this airs on the podcast side, even though we're live streaming this right now, but in about a month, it's going to come out. So I built a tool that will do it in an automated way. It's kind of like giving you a credit score for your podcast. So it's giving you a score on 37 points of data, taking a look at the value creation that you, your residual value over time from the show. So obviously the more consistent you are, the more episodes you have, the more playthrough, the more all of those things. And it has less to do with downloads than it does with that overall residual brand value you've created, because that's really your worthiness for me to be a guest on your show or your worthiness for me to advertise on your show or your worthiness for me to give it the time to listen to your show and follow you, right? That's what it's assessing. But we've been doing this manually in an, an actual live audit manner where we go through all the points of data and we look through all these things and we check all the things on your show. And a lot of it is adjustment in the digital footprint of your show to making sure that because the search engine that is Apple and Spotify and all of those places is so bad that it's really hard to come rise above the noise. So we want to fix some of those things, easy fix. And then all of a sudden your show starts picking up and you're like, what's going on here? Then we want to capture that residual value back into it. So anyone who doesn't have a website and isn't putting their podcast back on their website is losing out. That's for sure. Like right there, that's a big no-no. You're losing out on your own value because you know, most importantly, if I'm building a personal brand, I don't want to be out only on Apple and only on Spotify amongst all those other people who have more marketing dollars to spend than me. I want someone to come back to my website where the only thing you can find is and that's residual value that you create over time. So we want to make it pull it back to that. So we just do that right now. You can still do it. You can go to Poditize and you can get an audit for your show. And my team is happy to do it. We don't charge anyone because if podcasts as an industry don't get better, none of our shows are going to be valued in the future. So it is our mission and our job to make sure that this knowledge that we have, that we've seen working again and again for all of our clients, works for everyone in the industry. So many things are, are rolling through my head because the guy who had all that hidden warehouse of great thought leadership and, and demonstration of the quality of his or her thinking, you know, all that stuff. The old model was lock it in a vault and let people have a glimpse in the vault only if they pay to come in the vault. That's been the model that American Enterprise has been working on for hundreds of years. But this new model, which is put it out there, whether you call it freemium or something like that, get it out there so people see it and then get to know you, get to like you, get to trust you. You know, the Bob Berg triumvirate of no like and trust. That is so important. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I do a podcast is because this is the best way for you to get to know, like, and trust me. And then discover over time, oh yeah, no, he's got something going on. I, I wanna... think it's actually a flip of that DP. I think it's trust like no nowadays. And the reason I think that is because we're going to go to the platform, the channel. I learned this when I was working on the mass market. Costco fans are Costco fans. They will buy anything that Costco puts in that store because they trust Costco. Same thing with Amazon. Same thing with Spotify. Our, whatever it is that we love in terms of a platform for consumption, we trust YouTube. 
we trust that model and we go there first because who's ever on there has put in the work, put in the time, syndicated themselves, done something right. So I can trust that. And then I listen, I binge, I get to know you. I want to know you because I start liking you. So that's where I think that we miss the point. We think that they, you got I got to get you to trust me first when I really just have to be in the right place where you already trust. Oh man, you're, you're triggering so many thoughts in my head because that makes total sense. And anyone who listens to the nonfiction brand podcast knows that I'm a big proponent of branding in many different ways and many different reasons. I don't believe in branding to make you pay for something you don't want or buy something you don't need. I'm all about branding when it comes to allow you to more easily find the thing with which you will be so happy and satisfied and that you will have a lifetime relationship with them or with that product because of it. For example, you mentioned Costco. Big fan of Costco. Longtime listeners know I'm an Apple fanatic. Apple doesn't do everything right all the time, but it does more right than it does wrong. And I am always delighted by the magic that it creates. I don't have to look under the hood. Thank you, Apple. You know, yeah, other that's people. So, so true. Yeah, other people, mileage varies. You know, engineers, they love messing with every little dingle thing they can deal with. Great. You can do that with other brands. But Apple, you don't have to. And that's no, why Apple so gets true. my dollars when it comes to technology like that. But that idea of trust, you know, several years ago, probably, oh gosh, it must be more like 15 years ago. Who was it? He was a creative director for Saatchi and Saatchi, I think. Big international agency. He came out with a book called Love Marks, which was about brands that achieve something more than a brand. They become a true love mark. And Apple was one of the examples he used in that book. But what you're talking about is trust brands. And that's where my brain is going with it. Brands that you trust to the level where you say things like, oh, they came out with this or, oh, they haven't come out with it yet. I'll wait to get their version of it because I trust them. And again, Apple, trust is actually one of their key pillars when it comes to their products. The idea that, no, you can't get user information from apps in the iPhone app store the way you can in Android and stuff like yeah. that. That makes people buy. Why? Because they trust. And that, oh my gosh, that's going to be even more and more important moving forward. It is because in this sort of AI driven world and everything's coming up with that. Look, I hear this again and again about what Google's doing, how Google's afraid of chat GPT and everything. But Google has a significant point. We don't get mad at Google today when they give us the wrong answers because we know they're just pushing up search results, right? They're pushing up results. We don't get mad at them. But if it gave us one answer, and because that's what the chat without, it gives us one answer and says, this is the thing you need, and it's not right, we are going to hold that brand responsible. So this is why we cannot mess this up. We've got to get it right. And we've got to make sure that we're keeping that curation of who we are, who our brand is, and we're putting it on trustworthy platforms at the end of the day, because that's what sells. People used to ask me, Tracy, why don't you make your own products, sell them on Amazon? Why are you working for some other brand hidden you know, as a ghost designer? Why are you doing this? I was like, because I can make multi-millions of dollars over the course of years with no risk. 
because they already have the brand power. They already have the trust. They already have the relationship with Costco, with Walmart, with Target. I don't have to build all of that and I don't have to fund all of that to make sure this product goes. I just get to design it and take my cut off the top. Like it's a, it's a no brainer for me <laughs> to, to stay in my, in my wheelhouse. But that's all predicated on knowing something about you, your person, your personal brand, which is, I don't need to be the lead singer of the band. I'll write all the songs and get all the That's publishing. Right. Everybody points to The Doors, Jim Morrison. He didn't get all the publishing. What was his name? No. Ray Manzarek, the keyboard player. He made the bank because yeah. he wrote the songs and he let the Lizard King go out front and burn himself out and die 40 years in advance of anybody else in that age cohort. If you want to be the lead singer of the band, admit it, know it, own it, and be it. But if you don't, guess what? That doesn't mean you don't need to brand yourself because people need to know who you are, what you do, and how you do it. And you need to demonstrate that. Again, demonstration is so important. And what you're talking about with all that locked-in demonstration that might be in someone's 500 podcast episodes or 850 videos. These are the things you're talking about, which is take that demonstration, that big pile of brand demonstration and get it out there so you can meet new people, let them meet you, get them to trust you. Why? Because they know who you are, what you do and how you do it. They respect you. They prefer you. They may evangelize for you and become part of your unpaid sales force. You can do that if you this unlock the value of it. This is such a good example that you're pointing out. I was just watching that, that Elvis movie with uh, Tom Hanks as the, the, I forgot what his name was. Colonel Tom anyway, Parker. Colonel, yeah, Colonel yeah. Tom Parker. And so I was just watching that. And, and then, of course, Lisa Marie dies. And so, you know, as you watch this, it's like, I think the real story and the story I want to hear is when he died and Priscilla took over and then they fought him in court to really get that brand back to the power of the legacy that he had created. And now Lisa Maria's children have that legacy preserved and it's in operation and they can't mess it up. And, you know, no matter what some of the kids had drug problems, like nothing's going to go wrong with it because it's all protected in there. Somebody did that legacy right and really took the power of what Elvis had created. And whoever did that for them now has a demonstration piece that can write their ticket the rest of their lives so they can build this this monster machine that is absolutely delivering the value that people want because right. they've demonstrated they've done it before, they can do it again. Now, let me ask you this question because social media is constantly moving, it's constantly migrating and changing, evolving. How do you make sure that you're not just kind of one of those people that, I got a hammer, therefore everything's a nail? Because we've all seen it. I'm convincing people who can't talk, they should have a podcast. Uh, not necessarily a good idea all the time. How do you make sure that you retain your value to these people and offer them up the stuff that not only could work for them, but will work for them? We have kind of an interesting business model in that we don't actually try to seek someone who's brand new to pot, who who is thinking about starting a podcast. Of course, we help people set up their podcasts if they come to us, but they only come to us from referrals. And the reason why we don't market to someone who's thinking about podcasting is because they don't know what they're getting into yet. 
So our business model is around someone who's already started their show, is starting to find out how difficult it is. And we are going to be this great, deep resource of any question they need answered. We're going to give an answer that they have not heard before. And it's not because it's to be contrary about it. It's a different answer because this answer comes from a pattern of experience of what worked again and again instead of what I want to sell you. So if you don't need me now, that's okay. I'm still going to have an answer for you because I want to be that resource that makes sure that you succeed. Because then when you hit over 100 episodes or you hit to this next phase or you get a sponsor, you're going to be like, Tracy, I need your help now and I can pay for your services and I've got everything I need or I'm ready to join your platform and use ad mixing and you know whatever it is, they've got, they know I gave them value before they were ready yet. And I helped get them ready. And that is my, my essential value is I think today in the social media world, we're chasing trend. We're like, oh, it's the year of the rabbit. And let me come out and just do a whole Chinese New Year social media post because that's what it's about. And I say, I've got a coaching call this week. And while I will acknowledge that that's what it is, my coaching call is not about that. My coaching call is about showing up for you and making sure that you've got the essential piece that's next for you so that you know, maybe like rabbits, you could multiply your business. Like I might be able to create a tie-in like that, but I'm not going to do something artificial. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We, not everything has to be themed. No, In fact, the, the best stuff never is. Wow. So yeah. talk about your podcast, The Binge Factor. What is The Binge Factor and why should people binge The Binge Factor? This is an interesting phenomenon that us podcasters discover in a different way. Look, we binge watch Netflix. We binge watch TV shows. We, we binge watch things. So we know what that means to do that. But the phenomena of binge listening to a podcast is crazy because, I mean, when I had my first show on 3D printing and someone reached out to me and says, I know you have 100 episodes. I'm 50 episodes in. I've been listening all weekend and I have a question and I want to make sure when I get to 101, you answer that for me. But that's crazy. Like it just took me off guard when I found out people were like trying to learn something and wanted to consume it in a short period of time. And so that's what binging is about. And not every show is conducive to that. There are a lot of shows that don't work in that binge model. We're not going to binge something that is timely and in news and information today. We may not binge every interview show possible, but we might if they're tightly themed interview show, right? If we're really talking about the same type of topic, I want new perspectives and new viewpoints. So that's the way you get an interview show bingeable. But the other thing is that what we've learned as podcasters, and you really know this, DP, because every time I listen to one of your episodes, I get this sense that you're bringing somebody who's got a whole brand new story to share, something new perspective on the world, right? And you're anchoring that to your topic area, to the idea of nonfiction branding, to the idea of branding, personal branding in general, but you're curating that and making sure that they're not saying the same thing they've said on 12 other shows. Because otherwise, why listen to Tracy if she says the same thing on every single podcast she's ever guested on? It's a waste of their time to, to listen to that episode. So pulling out that original content is a reason for someone to binge on your show. But when they binge on you, this is the key. They come back to you and they, they buy faster because they already trust you, like you, and want to know you. And they really already are indoctrinated into your process. So they take action better. They become better clients. They are better at consuming whatever it is and putting that into action. So you have higher success rate. 
Yeah, well, one of the things that has been a real boon for me when it comes to doing a podcast and stuff like that is that I like to serve tea hot. And <laughs> hot tea is not to everybody's taste. If it's not, fine, good. You go elsewhere, I don't have to deal with someone who's not going to be satisfied, and we're all happy. The worst thing in the world is trying to please someone who can't be pleased because they don't really mesh with you. And how much time can be wasted doing that? Way, way too much. So Tracy, if I were someone who wanted to learn more about what you and your group does, how can I get started or how can I contact you? Where, where, where do you like to hang out? Obviously, I'm going to check out the podcast, the Binge Factor podcast, but how else could I engage with you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm actually, we live stream there every single week. We also live stream on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as well. But absolutely, the bingefactor.com will get you to me. But there's a couple of things that you might want to do. Check out Podetize, and Podetize is our company. And that also has a podcast called Feed Your Brand. So if you want to hear past episodes, if you want to hear my thoughts on AI, if you want to hear any of those things, you can go check out the podcast on Feed Your Brand and hear what's happening live in our coaching calls and then join some of the coaching calls going forward because you can because we live stream it. I want to make this simple for you. So if you find me on LinkedIn and it's Hazard with two Zs and that's, you know, like the Dukes of and my partner and husband, who's, you know, he's the co-founder of the business with me, Tom Hazard, you could friend him too and you'll find everything. I mean, we put it all out there for you. It's been such a pleasure having you on because you have demonstrated everything about you that could be winning, charming, interesting, and engaging for everybody who's listening. And why is that? Because you're putting yourself out there, Tracy Hazard, your personal brand, which is wrapped up in everything we've talked about over this past 45 minutes. And you have gone a huge step forward toward getting people to trust, like, and know you because you have demonstrated all of those flavors that make up the ice cream that is you. Oh boy, that's a tortured metaphor. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's <laughs> okay. I love being ice cream. That sounds so good. <laughs> yeah. Again, I want to invite people in the listening audience to hook up with you. So the best. Number one, would you say number one is join a LinkedIn coaching call? Yeah, join a live stream. Find me on LinkedIn and you could consume the podcast that way. You can link to everything. You'll be able to find us. All right, nonfiction branders, your task of the day is to go on LinkedIn right now and look up Tracy Hazard, H-A-Z-Z-A-R-D. Or for our friends out there in the British English audience, it's H. A-Z-Z-A-R-D. Yes, I'm making fun of you. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I want to thank you again for coming on, Tracy. I really am intrigued by everything you're doing with The Binge Factor and also your company, Potticize. I might have to check out some of that because I sense that I probably have this entire vault of value just sitting there that should be released out into the wild to benefit not only everybody out there, but also perhaps myself. Hmm. Right. I'm going to have to think about that. By all means, check out Tracy wherever she lives online. Start at LinkedIn, as we discussed. But other than that, I want to thank you and say 
of course, to my podcast listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and do all that crap that you have to do when you listen to a podcast, especially review it, because that does help other people find the podcast. I'm DP Knuton, your host, and she is... Tracy Hazard. And I'll be talking at you again next time. Bye-bye.